You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Buckle up, everyone. It's time to get this show on the road. Time for Dave's Corner Garage, your Saturday morning joyride on Zoomer Radio. Got a car question for Dave or Alan? Call now, 416-360-0740. Or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Okay, Al, give us a Happy New Year. You know what? Yee-haw! Happy New Year, everybody. Hey. 2021 is here and so are we. That's a good thing. <laughs> I hope so. Did you bring any bagels today? No, but I cheapskate. Uh, but I, I I spent all my money on hand sanitizer and oh, masks. You did. I did. I am convinced that Lysol wipes do not exist. I've been into so many stores, and it's like you see, the the brand is like Harry's wipes or Larry's <laughs> wipes. But where's Lysol? Harry's anyway, wipes. Good morning, everybody. We have got a great show lined up for you today, and uh, because he just is getting so comfortable in his uh, new sweatpants from uh, Joe, Joe Fresh. He's uh, live from his home studio, Dave Reniger. Morning, Davey. How are you? Hey, not bad. Can't complain. Nobody ever listens anyway. So, oh, oh. you're going to start whining already? Yeah, well, there you go. You know, this is our 21st season. We're starting our 21st season here on AM 740, and it's their 20th anniversary starting uh, now. That's right. There's there's cake here, by the way. So who's oh. throwing a party? See, I should have been there. Yep. <laughs> Brian Max is going to join us. Brian is a well-known uh, automotive tester, and uh, we're going to talk about the 2021 Mazda CX-5. And uh, I can't be, say enough how much he loves this car. So uh, I watched his video, and he's licking it everywhere. Every corner of this <laughs> car is wet from his tongue. That's, that's really nice. <laughs> nice description. For all kids under <laughs> 22, just disregard that. We're actually going to talk about Brian about he's back and forth across the border. Uh, He does a lot of traveling in the U.S. And he's going to bring us up to speed about how do we cross the border, uh, you know, and and make it easy for us to move back and forth. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, We're also going to meet Dan Wallace. and He's from a company called Special Vehicle Towing. They have special equipment that is completely designed to carry low vehicles. Like he carries these high-end cars like Lamborghinis and Ferrari and and you name it, he carries it. And what happens is he's also going to talk about what's it like to cross the border. And you know that we're under restrictions, so uh, the um, the premier said that we're going to be getting uh, new rules and new uh, restrictions coming Monday. So. Who knows what's going to happen? So these guys are going to bring us up to speed. So I can't use Fred and his tractor with a rope to pull my Lamborghini. Is what you're telling I me? I don't think so. <laughs> no, but when I talked to when I talked to Dan earlier on the week, because uh, he's in Kentucky today, uh-huh. he said that he would take a like a Honda Civic because it's a low rider. That's a bluegrass state. Is he bringing horses or? I don't know. I'll have yeah, to he's ask in him. Kentucky this morning. I talked to him this yeah, morning. Yeah, he's in Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah, you know, you were talking about you know the latest restrictions coming up. I mean, just get it out and get it going and fix this thing. But uh, in Quebec, it starts today. Mm-hmm. So it's so the curfews from 8 o'clock at night till 5 in the morning. And if you're caught outside, it's 5K on the spot. It's a subpoena. And 
Uh, they tow your car. Oh wow! So yeah. they oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, and that, that's it, legal that, though. You know, I'm, I'm just thinking about that. You know, this it's all nice, nicely said and then done, but. You know, when you take it to court, uh, I wonder if it actually will happen. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool. Like, while we're getting ready for the next uh, commercial break right now, if you got anything that's going on that you've been affected by, say, some of these uh, bylaw officers, you know, we'd like to hear from you how it affected maybe your car. All right? And we're on a, we're on a delay, so if you want to get really angry, we'll just pop it off. Uh, we're going to come back with uh, an interesting topic about safety checks. Speaking of rules and regulations. With Al and Dave. This is Dave's Corner Garage, the car's are ready for you, as are the lines. Wide open. Let's get it going. And Happy New Year. Let's get it going on a great new year from uh, Dave's Corner Garage here on Zuma Radio. Welcome back. This is Dave's Corner Garage. And just a reminder, besides Happy New Year, uh, is that uh, if you're a little shy and don't want to call in, uh, you can certainly email to the guys at uh, davescornergarage.com, our website, and you can listen online as well uh, to davescornergarage.com. Back to you, Dave and Alain. Okay, well, you know what? If you're buying or selling a car, you need what's called a safety certificate, and the idea being that the purchaser uh, is not buying a pig and a poke, and he knows what he's getting. So this law came out about 35 to 40 years ago, and uh, has become kind of stale. So in 2016, it was actually July 2016, the government stepped in and revised the law where the mechanic who's responsible for doing the safety check actually has to mark down all the information about sizing of the tires, sizing of the brake linings, and things like that, so that the buyer is aware of what he's getting. Problem is, it, technology doesn't stop, and technology has moved on. We've got things like now battery-operated electronic vehicles, electric vehicles, there's zero-emission vehicles, uh, super cruise on Cadillac. So the technology has moved on so quickly that the law is actually a little bit um, behind the times. What do you think, Al? Well, it's true, and then there's lots of other options on the vehicle that could be very costly to fix that people you know, that aren't covered by safety standard certificates because you have to understand it's it's a safety certificate. It's not an infotainment certificate, okay? Infotainment. Well, in other words, if your GPS on your dashboard, if, yep. if, that, if that's out, that, that's not working, which is very important to people, um, yeah. that's not covered by a safety standard certificate. Nor, for example, is an air conditioner problem. Uh, air conditioner, which everybody uses, is so used to these days, and very costly to fix, it's not part of a safety standard certificate. So what is? What is? Tires, brakes, suspension, right. electrical, um, all the safety equipment in terms of airbags and, and seat belts. Now, now, Dave, what, what they've done to try to do a catch, catch-all here is that it, it, as much as you're saying, yes, it doesn't specify, you know, um, all the individual items because the cars are different. And like you called them yourself, like you have your Super Cruise um, we have active cruise control now. Everybody's got their own name for it. So how, how they've dealt with this is that they said on the test drive, the licensed mechanic, when he takes it out for a ride, there cannot be any warning lights illuminated, okay? So in other words, you know yourself that, for example, if one of the radar detectors are, are, are gone, well, it's going to throw up a code. So, in other words, it's not going to allow your, your cruise control to work properly because that is bad. Um, they didn't have to, you know, list every one of those specific sensors, but as long as they said, 
if there's any warning lights illuminated, that has to be rectified. In other words, the car is not has to it it has to work as if the manu as the manufacturer um, put it you know made it to to work. So is it? Do you have like is there one specific thing that always pops up? I know my wife's car, which is a. 2008 Honda Accord. It's it's in pretty good shape. Well, about 160k on it, mm-hmm. but her engine light always comes on after we put gas in it, and we take it to your place. The diagnostic says fix it up, and like three or four months later, it always comes back on. Is it something that's that's more climate sensitive? Well, certainly things you know, climate and and humidity, temperature, they all affect how the vehicle operates. There's just so many things, eh, Dave? I mean, in terms of different operating systems nowadays. Well, you know, the other side of this is that it, it increases the price of the cars. Mm-hmm. As as the cars have more equipment that could not function, the price of a used car it just it, it's is astronomical. Well, Dave, your dad used to sell cars back in the old days, eh? Yep. So how how much how much was a good used car back then? Two hundred fifty bucks. <laughs> Two hundred fifty fifty dollars. Was that with tires? Well, you know what? They used to sell cars for fifty bucks, for one hundred and fifty bucks, two hundred fifty bucks. Really? Yeah, I think the most expensive car was like fifteen hundred dollars. I mean, I'm not that old, but I recall this. Yes, you, you know, <laughs> people's target was about two grand. Okay, yeah. they, they felt that for two grand, you could buy yourself a pretty decent car. So, how much is that two grand car nowadays? Twenty thousand. <laughs> Twenty grand? No, no, no. I'm talking about a used car. I'm not talking about it's a new true. car. It's true. I went on V. What's the website, Dave? VMR Canada. Yes. VMR Canada. You plug in the kind of car you have, the year it is, and it gives you your value of it. And it's like our 2008 is still worth about eight to ten k. Unreal. Unreal. Yeah, it is unreal. Yeah. And, it, and the reality is that the used car market is strong because of the pandemic. People are not buying new cars. They don't want to go into deep debt. The used car market is strong right now. So. It's time to uh, it's trade. Now's the time to do it. Okay, we got a couple calls to uh, to get to shortly. If you're on hold, please be patient. We'll get to you. We we really will. And coming up next, we're going to talk to Brian Max about two things. One, the real intricacies about getting back to Canada if you're flying, and a review on the Mazda C. What's it called? <laughs> the CX five. CX five. Thank you, Al, very much for telling us that. <laughs> We'll be back with uh, whatever the hell voice I was with to Brian be. right after this break. Right, thank you. Welcome back. This is the twenty-first anniversary, the first show for the new year. Mm-hmm. We wish you everybody happy New Year. We hope you really are safe and uh, staying in your bubble so you don't get uh, in trouble by the boys in blue mm-hmm. or whatever. But there's a lot of stuff going on, and uh, people have always been writing into our website about what it's like for traveling, coming back from the States, if you want to duck out and get down to Florida. And I'm going to toss over to you. You're going to talk to, uh, to Brian. Well, I guess the first thing you have to do is try not to bump into a senator or some other politician who's not taking the advice. But for business, we are allowed to travel. And Brian on the is Brian on Brian on the phone with us is Max, and um, he reviews cars for a living. And Brian's got a great website. You see him on YouTube, and he's always reviewing vehicles. And to do that, especially if you want to go for a decent test drive these days, you have to leave Ontario. Brian, where did you go last time? Uh, I went all over the United States, as a matter of fact. But uh, I was I spent a lot of time in Southern California because I have family there, lots of friends, and. The roads are great, the cars are great, and the weather is predictable. So for me, it's just it's nirvana, right? I mean, I can I can access whatever kind of car I want to test and mm. and shoot a beautiful episode and 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 
you know, do the job right. All right. So, so Dave, Dave wanted to know, how do you actually do that in terms of getting on a plane, getting off a plane? How do you, how do you manage that? What's the logistics? Uh, so it's it, just like before you, you, you buy a, just like before the pandemic, you buy a uh, plane ticket. And what happens at the airport is, uh, of course, you have to wear a mask. As soon as you enter uh, the airport, you're, you're masked up until you uh, leave the airport at your destination. What they do at Pearson is they actually will take your temperature before um, you you go through security. Mm-hmm. Um, and at Pearson, as you probably know, they have U.S. Customs, and that is business as usual there. So there's there's no special requirements. Um, you don't need uh, a negative test to enter the U.S., and you don't need a particular reason or anybody's permission. They're happy to have you as long as you you know, meet the standard requirements of entering the United States. And then on the plane, it's, it's fairly easy. What I, what I do find is that flight loads to Los Angeles are fairly light. And I've, I've done this many times. So I'd say no more than 30% or 35% of the seats are taken on, on uh, those flights, at least the ones that I've been on. So there's lots of space and, and uh, you're not, you're not crowded. What I do understand is that domestic flights in Canada and the U.S. are a little busy, but traveling to the U.S. flight loads are fairly light and, um, it's uh, it's pretty straightforward, and then um, you know arriving at uh, at LAX is uh, is is easy as well. But- Brian, somebody wrote in on our Facebook page uh, so quickly before we get to the Mazda review. Um, so now with the changes, what's it like coming back to Toronto? So the, the federal government has just implemented new changes in the last week, and whether they make sense or not is, is an entirely other story. But when you're in the United States, before you board your return flight to Canada, you have to have a negative test, and it has to be a PCR test. What that means is that th- this kind of test is the one that goes to the lab. It takes a couple of days for results, and the rules now are that you have to have a negative test within 72 hours of your return flight. Okay, there you go. So you got to be clean. Uh, but I would have thought that the airline actually, you know, does do a temperature check uh, before you get on the airplane. But you're saying no, eh? Uh, the uh, in. In Pearson, they don't. They do it at, at security. In mm-hmm. LAX, and I was also through Fort Lauderdale recently, uh, they take a temperature check at check-in. Okay. All right. Well, let's get to our review here now. You drove the CX-5, and, and for people who may not know about this vehicle, you could compare it to perhaps a Nissan Qashqai or a CRV or a RAV4. We're talking about cars in that particular size range, Correct. That's right. A midsize crossover is is what the Mazda CX-5 is, yes. All right. And did you love it? I actually like what Mazda does because, as you guys know, I've been racing cars since I was a kid. And for me, Mazda puts the driver first. So it's very much enjoyable to drive, even though it's a crossover. You know, you, you sit properly. It's got, you know handling that is satisfying so if you're if you have to buy a crossover this is one of the more interesting ones because it's enjoyable to drive and how they how they've done that is this latest cx5 has a 2.5 liter turbo engine that makes 250 horsepower and and over 320 pounds feet of torque Mm -hmm. so it's very very powerful and unlike a lot of crossovers they actually have a six-speed automatic instead of one of those cbt's brian brian can you hang on just for a second we're going to take a break right now and come back uh, Brian was going to talk about his the brake performance. That's one of his things he likes to talk about, you know. <laughs> all right, so, Brian, you're going to have to hit the binders, and we'll get back to you after the break. All righty? Mm-hmm. There you go. Sounds good. 
All right, this is Dave's Corner Garage. We're having a good time here in the studio. Dave's at his house. Steve's right here, and I'm Alan Gelman. We'll be right back. Are you here, too? Mm-hmm. Okay, we got a bunch of calls to get to, so if you're on the phone, well, not on the phone because that would hurt. Well, sometimes. <laughs> Stand by, and we'll get to them right away. Back to Brian Max and your review on the Mazda. Exactly. You know, Brian, I drive an HRV, and, and, or a CRV, I should say, and I've driven RAV4s and Tucsons, which I wouldn't call driver's cars. I mean, they're crossovers. How does Mazda make the CX-5, in your, in your perspective anyways, a driver's vehicle? A uh, couple of different ways. One one is that power, of course. I mean, I'm just power mad. But this is, I think, the most powerful. The CX-5 is the most powerful um, crossover in the segment with mm-hmm. that turbo motor. You can get it with a with a non-turbo four-cylinder that's a little more economical and, and certainly doesn't cost as much. But also, what Mazda does is that the brakes are really good and that the handling is decent. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're driving through some corners or, or if you, you know, enjoy using the power and want to get up to speed really quickly, well, it, it does all the right things. It's very, very satisfying to drive. And what it does really well is even though it's a decent handling crossover, it also rides really well. Well, it's very, very comfortable. Yeah, and you mentioned it's quiet. I mean, how do they, you know, if they make it that quiet, how do you feel like you're part of it as, as you're not detached? You know, like in the old days, caddies used to be so quiet and cushy, but but it wasn't a driver's car. How do they per- get both things out of the same car? With with um, noise, vibration, and harshness uh Insulation. I mean, they, they, they do a number of things to ensure that not a lot of that noise comes into the cabin, and that's through insulation throughout the cabin, that's different bushings in the suspension, that's maybe sometimes thicker glass as well, and, and that reduces a lot of the road noise. And what that does for drivers is it reduces that just stress level when you're driving if you're going on a, on a road a long road trip it is much more enjoyable to drive something that's a little bit quieter what's the mileage like of this thing right uh for me i did, i had a snowstorm the week i was testing it so i i didn't get much more than uh, 22 or 23 miles per gallon like 10 liters per 100 kilometers but my my issue is that I spent a lot of time in the city. I live in the city, so I don't drive on a lot of open roads. I'm going from stoplight to stoplight, so I don't necessarily get just you know, great fuel consumption all the time. So driving in the snow and driving in the city was was a little bit worse, but the, the posted numbers, the official numbers are certainly better than that. And the way they've tuned the turbo engine is the turbo's not working when you're cruising along on the freeway. Mm-hmm. So if the turbo is spinning, that also means you're consuming more fuel. But the great thing about turbo motors is that when the turbo is not spinning, you're not using that much fuel. So and if people want to see the review uh, on YouTube, uh, how do they go about doing that and see your lovely face without a cig- <laughs> without a cigar? I mind you. My <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no smoking in press cars. No. Uh, no, people can visit my YouTube channel. It's my name. It's Brian with an I, N-A-K-S-E, and uh, it's pretty easy to find with the spelling of my last name. Okay. Happy stoking on the weekend. <laughs> Thank you. It is okay, bud. Thanks. Have a good weekend. <laughs> All right. We've got a couple calls to get to right now. Alan, All right, Dave, do- you got your toolbox ready? Yeah, I'm ready to go. All right. So we're going to go to Ralph, first of all. Ralph's in Toronto, and he's got a question for us. Ralph, what can we do for you? Hi, how are you? Good, yourself? Good. Um, okay, quickly, um, I got a new battery for the car last February, so less than a year ago. Um, it wouldn't uh, start, um, recently it wouldn't start after a week of not driving. Mm-hmm. So my first question is, is uh, does that 
sound right. If, if I only uh, had it sitting for a week, uh, does it make sense that it wouldn't start? Um, we had we had the uh, TAA come over and gave the battery a clean bill of health, um, but he gave me a copy of the battery test, and one of the things it said was diode ripple high. Mm-hmm. Um, two days later, the car didn't start again. Right. And... Um, so my first question is, uh, based on what I've said so far, um, does diode ripple high mean there's something wrong with the battery, or does it mean it's, there's something wrong with another part of the car? Well, the only good thing about ripple is they sell it at the liquor store. <laughs> okay. Dave, what's ripple mean? I have no idea, but it sounds like you have an alternator problem. Exactly. A, a parasitic draw. Right. So in other words, what's happened is, is once the CAA, for example, has come to boost you, and you've gone... For example, maybe you took it out for a 20-minute drive. You are depending on the alternator to, in fact, recharge the battery. Mm -hmm. And with this ripple issue, it could be that your alternator is only putting out 50% of the possible power it should have. So most alternators nowadays should be putting out at least 100 amps. You may find that they're only putting out about 20. And after a a 15- or 20-minute drive you're not going to recharge the dead battery. So that's the first thing you have to look at here. Ralph? Battery is fine. It's just the alternator that's the problem. Yeah. Right. Now, now, when they said the battery is fine, they're only talking about its general condition, not necessarily its charge. And this is where people get fooled. We see a lot of it nowadays because of COVID. You know, vehicles are sitting where the battery will be dead. They'll, get, they'll come and get a boost. They get a report that says the battery is fine. They'll leave the car running for 15 or 20 minutes. And, and that's not enough to bring back the battery to its full life. All you've got is what's called a surface charge. And unless that battery gets really recharged properly or it's gone for a, a two-hour road trip, that battery is not going to work after sitting for a week. So those are a couple things you've got to get. You've got to consider, Ralph. Take it into the garage, have an AVR done properly again. Um, that means they're going to want to look at the alternator to see that it's putting out the full current capacity. And then once the battery is recharged, they'll have to recheck it just to make sure it's good. And the last thing, as David mentioned, the parasitic draw. Dave, what, what, where does a parasitic draw come from? Well, usually what happens is a diode will fail, mm-hmm. and the alternator is actually running even though the engine is off. Right. So the coils that are in the alternator are getting excited and they're drawing power off the battery. I think one of the other solutions here might be is to maybe get a trickle charger mm-hmm. and uh, charge this thing up while it's sitting, and that might resolve some of the issues that you're having. All right, thanks, Dave. Thank you, Ralph. What a great question. We're going to move on to Raymond now, who called in a few weeks back. Ray, driving a Pacifica with a weird noise. What do you got now? Hello, Ray. Hello, Ray. Hello there. Uh, Happy New Year, by the way. You and too. You too, sir. Uh I spoke to you reference uh, the ticking noise underneath the dash, and one yes. of your your mm-hmm. uh, your, your uh, people had phoned in with the same problem, uh-huh. and you had identified it as a thirty-five dollar pro- um, uh, part and one-hour labor. Right. So I took my my wife Pacifica to the dealer, told them the issue, and this has been on for seven months, with the car's only two years, seven months old, and this started seven months ago. Been in for three recalls, uh, identified that problem again. Every time it goes in, they can't find a problem, they can't find a problem. We had the surprise phone call yesterday to say the CD player's in for replacement. And they said, I said, what about the, the ticker noise? And they told me that Chrysler, they contacted Chrysler, and they said that's normal. It's normal? Normal. 
<laughs> so how, how loud is it? Well, I mean, you could switch off the engine. All you hear is tick, 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 tick. Okay, question. Does does it eventually stop? It eventually stops after five to seven minutes. Okay. Now, and but but it's is most it's most audible, or you hear it the best? Oh uh, yes, pretty much so. No, no, I'm saying, but do you hear it mostly from the engine compartment or right inside the car? Right inside the car. Mm. Dave, what do you think? Not normal. I've, cars got to be quiet and useful, and uh, it shouldn't do have any ticking noises. What I would be doing now is contacting Chrysler directly and ask to talk to what's called the district service manager, make an mm-hmm. appointment for him to come down and talk to you and have him listen to the noise. Yep. Okay. Right? I would, in, in other words, escalate the problem because it should not be making any of these noises. Not for a $65,000 vehicle. It shouldn't be after two years. And you know there. what? Once you, when you do get a hold of them, uh, give us a call back in a couple of weeks and let us yep, know. I uh, certainly will. All right. Happy New Year, and thanks Thank for the you. call. Okay. We've got time for one more call. You All right. Squeeze super. one in. We've got Nancy in Burlington. Um, Nancy's got a question about her dashboard lights. Nancy, how are you? Uh, quite well this morning. I wish my car was just a little bit better. Okay. I have... Um, a 2017 Mazda CRX, and I really enjoyed what your uh, uh, guest had to say about it. Uh-huh. Um, the, uh, it's a small issue, but it's just a, a concern. My dash lights uh, will go off, um, and then they'll come on again, and they'll go off. Uh, sometimes they're off for 30 seconds. Uh, one time recently it was off for 20 minutes. Uh, my concern is, uh, is there any connection between the dash lights and the headlights? Well, I think you answered your own question. The connection problem is the connection. Dave? Yeah, you know what? The dash lights work separately. They come on or they get excited when the headlights are on. But, uh, yes, there's definitely a problem with the connection or the switch itself. The best thing that they're going to need to do is take it into the garage. Hopefully they're not working because the whole idea is to identify a problem. You have to see it when it's broke because it's really hard to fix when it is working. So what they need to do is, you know, get in there, put the the headlights on, see that the dash is either illuminated or not, and then start to do the wiggle test. Right, Dave? Either that or smack the dash. (laughs) Smack the dash. All right. We got to get the heck out of here right now. That's what my Louisville stick in the trunk is for. All right. Coming up next, if you want to find out uh, the intricacies of getting your car across the border, Mm -hmm. if you're going south, why? But if you are, we're going to talk to Dan Wallace coming up next and more of your questions right here on the 21st edition, the 21st anniversary of Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Happy New Year. This is Dave's Corner Garage, and uh, if you can't get through on the lines, you can certainly uh, go to our website, davescornergarage.com. There'll be an email icon there, and you can write in your questions to Dave and to Alan. Uh, we'll get to your question uh, next week. Okay. Over to you, Dave, from your live studio. All righty. Uh, we're talking with Dan Wallace from Special Vehicle Transport. Dan, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Dave. How are you this morning? Good. We're actually here in Kentucky this morning. I am. I'm uh, just about a half an hour out of uh, Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky right now, yeah. And where are we heading? Uh, right down in Lexington, uh, delivering uh, old-school right-hand drive uh, Mazda RX-7 for our friends over at Right Drive there. I think you've actually had Mike on before uh, talking to you. I know the guys from Right Drive. That's actually interesting. So you've got special equipment where you actually have airbag trailers that are designed 
to take some of these new vehicles, which are so low they don't actually fit into the transport. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I came across a guy uh, back in 2016 that's actually an inventor out of New Zealand, and he designed this incredible uh, airbag trailer, and it lowers completely flat to the ground, so there's no ramps or anything needed to load. And uh, I put that on the road in uh, 2017 in Toronto, and it just kind of took the car culture by storm, got it out to a lot of the big shows, uh, had the whole truck and the trailer all loaded up with cars uh, in a lot of the shows in Toronto, and it just kind of took off from there, and uh, now here I am finding myself down here in Kentucky a few years later. So. so the question we had was, you're crossing the border on a regular basis. Tell us how it works. Like, Do you have any problems getting across the border? Uh, no, I'm all U.S. DOT licensed and everything, so as a commercial transporter, we're exempt from any quarantine rules or anything like that. So, um, you know, I've got regular clientele such as Right Drive and, and other clients that are buying and selling cars from the U.S. Um, you know, a lot of collector cars are coming up from the U.S. if guys are looking for southern cars. And, of course, you've got the U.S. market that's uh, taking advantage of their the power of their dollar to buy cars from Canada. So I transport a lot of cars, you know, back and forth across the border uh, for those reasons. And uh, it's, it's a pretty uh, straightforward procedure you know uh once the client contact us and request the car picked up down here it's just a matter of putting everything through with our customs broker and take care of the little bit of paperwork and uh usually within a few days we've got the paperwork ready to go and scheduled to find in and uh usually within a week or a week and a half we're ready to roll with them do you personally have to do a 14 day uh, uh you know stay in the house for 14 days is that part of this no, no. As a commercial transporter, I'm completely exempt from that. Interesting. I didn't realize that you had special dis- dispensation. <laughs> Al, you're gonna yeah, yeah, I wanted Sorry. to ask Dan. A friend of mine, he's got his Porsche up on a website now. I think it's called Bring a Trailer. And yeah, yeah. Uh, now it, it, it's a high end, obviously, place. I mean, he's trying to sell a, a used Porsche for a hundred grand, which is way more than a two hundred and fifty dollar used car that we were talking about earlier in the show. Um, so, how does he, before he calls you, or maybe you can steer him in the right direction, he has to sure. ship his car to a U.S. buyer? How, what paperwork does he have to put together first? So basically, what we do is once uh, once he's made like with with. Um, bring a trailer auction there. You know, once the deal's done with the auction site, deal's done, uh, we're going to need the original uh, ownership. Uh, if it's a Canadian car going down, we'll need the ownership. If it's vice versa, they've got a title instead of an ownership. Right. Uh, so basically, we need a copy of the original ownership, um, his identification, uh, the original bill of sale. We send that all off, uh, get a chain email going with my customs broker, send that all off to them, and uh, it's a pretty simple procedure. Cool. And then in terms of, uh, so so any kind of duties that get paid, that's all prearranged then? Yeah, so that gets taken care of directly through the broker. Mm-hmm. Um, once, you've set, once you've set up an account with the broker, then uh, they'll be able to actually, you know, factor what the duty rates are going to be. And a lot of the cars that are going, uh, you know, the classic cars, there's there's hardly any duty. Most of the classics are, are North American cars anyway, so they fall under the NAFTA agreements. Um, I believe the German manufactured cars, um, newer models are somewhere maybe around 6%. Um, again, that's all stuff that, uh, you know, on a case-by-case basis, the, the broker deals with that. Right, again, so for the most part, you're just a transportation venue here. You're not, you know, you're not involved in 
the that you know the other ins and outs of the the actual car. Especially, there are certain vehicles we that people have to do their diligence first. There are certain vehicles that aren't even allowed in the country. Have you ever run into that where you get to the border and they're going, "Hang on, where you think you're going with that car?" Absolutely. Yeah, I actually, uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I had a call about one yesterday. I had a gentleman one wanted to bring a uh, old school right hand drive uh, Toyota Super down. Uh, he was going to sell it to a client down in the U.S. Uh-huh. And basically, as soon as he told me that it was less than 25 years old, I had to turn him around and say, you're going to have to wait uh, another year or so for it to turn 25. So the U.S. has a different uh, import rule for the right-hand drive cars coming from Japan. Um, Canada, we're allowed to get them when they're only 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, the U.S. has to wait an extra 10 years. Um, I've actually gotten quite friendly with one of the uh, custom agents, uh, the officers, at the uh, Queenston Lewiston border, and uh, we—he's a—he's a gearhead like myself as, <laughs> as well. And uh, so we—we we often, uh, you know, we pop open the trailer when I'm bringing cars through, and we stand around for half an hour talking about the cars while we're doing the paperwork. And uh, he was telling me he had a guy come through a couple months ago, and uh, he was trying trying to make it sound like he was bringing his R34 Skyline. Um, over for a test drive into the U.S. And, uh, of course, they found that a little bit suspicious, and they pulled him in for a secondary inspection, went through his phone, found some emails and, uh, and text messages going back and forth between him and the potential buyer in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I can advise anything, it's don't try it, because you will fail and you will lose your car. In this situation, the uh, buyer lost his $60,000 U.S., Uh-oh. and the, the poor guy that was trying to drive his car across uh, lost the car altogether. They actually crushed that car. Wow. Listen, Dan, yeah. there's going to be a lot of people who are getting a little antsy about maybe saying, you know what, I'm going to go to the States. So if they want to find out more information about how your company works, about getting their sure. car on yours, what's your website? Because we've got to take a break right now. What's your website? Yeah, for sure. It's uh, www.specialvehicletransport.com. Okay, great. Listen, have fun down in Lexington. Say hi to the horses down there. I will so. Thank you. And uh, drive carefully. All right? Thanks. We've got a bunch of calls to get to, and uh, we'll get to yours hopefully right after this break. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back. Wow. Okay. We have uh, Scotty on the line right now. He's got a problem with his diesel in his truck. How are you, Scott? Hello, Scott. Hello. Go ahead, buddy. You're on the air. Yes. I have a 2017 Dodge diesel um, truck, and when I go, when I go, I drive it once or twice a week. When I go to drive it now, the uh, my radio, my my screen is blank, and then after half an hour, it will come on. What okay. would cause that? Well, it sounds like there's a problem with the actual the board itself. Um, it could be that the board itself has got a crack in it. Um, if you've got internet, you know, the easiest thing to do is, is, is just type in that question. You may find that, uh, there's a lot of problems with it. You see, the manufacturers don't make every part in the car. Uh, I remember Acura had a problem a couple of years ago, and I know Honda's had ongoing issues where, you know, they're a car company. They, they outsource all these other things to be made. Um, and sometimes it can be fixed. So that's what you need to do. It's you either got a problem with the connection or there's a problem with the actual unit itself. Dave, you got anything to add to that? Yeah, I was just looking it up on the Internet, and there is quite a few articles on uh, the dash failing on Chrysler. So I would definitely go on YouTube, try and find it there, and then contact my dealer. Shouldn't happen. Uh, sounds to me like it's one of those uh, 
you know, like iPads, uh, dashboards, mm-hmm. that causes an issue. I have 65,000 kilometers on the, on the truck. Right. Yeah. So should that still be under okay, warranty? No, but I have the limited warranty on it, so they would still be under, still covered under warranty. You're one I'm lucky a, guy. Yes, yes. <laughs> when I bought the truck, short story, when I bought the truck, they never told me it had the the warranty on it. Yes. And I had to I had to argue with them for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And they said it was, uh, I was too late uh, after, I think it was after a month. If I didn't, if I didn't put it on, I would, I would not get it. But I, I finally did get it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you were one lucky guy. Like I say, take it into the dealer. Just make sure that they know up front that here's the problem. And uh, you want to find out if there's going to be charged for diagnostics and if, in fact, it's going to be covered by the warranty. But hopefully it sounds like you got everything in line and it will be covered. Good luck with that, Scott. There you go. God's gone. Happy New Year. There you go. Happy New Year, Scott. Something, uh, keeping your paperwork in order. In other words, if you have an issue, make sure that somebody writes it on a work order while it's well within warranty so that when it pops out of warranty, you still have some coverage. So you think, you know, if, if you go back there and say, you know, I came in six months ago and uh, with the yeah. same problem. So you think they would back it up or they take care of you at that point? They have to. They're legally responsible because it was an issue while it was under warranty. And you have physical proof. So paperwork, paperwork, paperwork. I can't emphasize that enough. Keeping good records, keeping records of your oil changes, any work that's done on the car, just open a little book and put it in your glove box and make sure that, you know, even when you sell that car, that car has more value because it has been maintained and it has a history. Exactly. And especially on a lot of the higher end vehicles, you know, people want to know if it was dealer maintained, if, if, if the car went back to the dealer, if all the prescribed services were done on it. And that could bring somebody an extra couple thousand dollars, eh? Exactly. Well, not just that, it would make the sale. You know, if you have a car with a with a maintenance problem with that that is still under warranty, I mean, they're going to get that covered. So, yes, it, it even can help the sale. You know, as a matter of fact, I'm watching another review of the CX-5 just to see, and, and the guy was going on how, except for oil changes, which he's done himself, the guy had done nothing in three years. You know, you, and sometimes you're thinking that's a good thing, but, but sometimes it's not. And you've just proven the point that if you don't service it as you should, you know, you're gonna, you could ruin your warranty, right? Yes, and uh, well, I always loved the line that said, "I never put a penny in this car." Well, that's <laughs> that's right, and th- and they're thinking it's a good thing, right? Yeah, they're going, "I I didn't didn't have to spend a penny on this car," and and you're going, "No, it's the opposite." You know, you you got you're you're backwards on this, and this is where right. Yeah, especially now, you know, people are trying to save money. A lot of people are having trouble working and not working all that much. But you still have to maintain the car because when it sits around and doesn't do anything. Yeah, especially like we're in a condo and my wife's car has never driven. It hadn't been driven for a week. So I try to start it up on Monday. <laughs> almost like, like they say, Steve, if um, you don't use it, you'll lose it. Yeah. And there's other things to do with that, but we won't get into that because it's a family show. Dave, say goodbye. Thank you very much. We really enjoyed it. 21 years. We're starting a new season. We want to thank everybody who uh, called in, and also special thanks to Brian Max about the review on the uh, Mazda CX-5. And uh, Dan Wallace is down there in Lexington, Kentucky. If you want to get your car towed down to the States, and he'll take care of all the paperwork, the website, once again, is specialvehicletransport.com. I don't think he comes back empty, you know. No, he comes back with a couple horses from Kentucky. (laughs) 
<laughs> Al, thanks a lot. Dave, take care. And Carlos, yeah. thanks for producing everything. And we'll be back next week with your calls on Dave's Corner Garage. Have a great weekend and uh, be safe, everybody. This has been an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740.